0: Hello, I am Ariel Munafo, and I am Moshe Ferber, and this is the Silver Lining Podcast, the podcast about security engineering. Hello everyone, another episode of Silverlining Podcast, as with me, as always, Moshe. How are you, Moshe? Very good, Ariel. Good to see you. Good to see you again. We are uh, in a day of uh, recording a lot of uh, episodes, and uh, and with us, uh, Boris. How are you, Boris?
1: Oh, Great. Thank you for having me. Okay. So, uh,
0: Boris, you are the co-founder and CEO for Canonic, and we are going to talk about uh, uh, basically Up total, which is... Uh, like virus uh, total, but for apps, this is very interesting and it's open for the community, but I'm uh, uh, running ahead. Let's go back, first of all,
1: tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Right, so um, I go way back in uh, cybersecurity that's basically since I was about uh, 15. Uh, so that's basically like 20 years and north of that stopped counting. Uh, last decade, uh, focusing on SaaS security primarily uh, part of that is uh, being uh, sort of CTO for a company called FireLayers, which was uh, one of the first CASBs, uh, cloud access security brokers. Uh, company was acquired by Perfpoint, uh where I built, I guess, the uh, largest scale uh, threat detection offering for uh, SaaS applications, uh, detecting compromised accounts in Office 365 and the like. And uh, started canonic Security about um, bit More than a year ago, tell us a little bit more about canonic security. You're doing SaaS security, right? So, SaaS security is kind of a broad term, uh, I guess it's kind of like IT security. <laughs> uh, if you look uh, back 20 years ago, IT security, you say IT security, and then you have like a firewall and you have maybe an antivirus, and that's pretty much the whole market. And uh, you know, 20 years forward, you have uh, uh, more security vendors than anyone could possibly count, they all account for IT security, right? So, uh, so yeah, so we're around SaaS security, but the area we're focusing on is actually the all the third-party apps and the add-ons and plugins and platform integrations that people connect onto their SaaS platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about it, like much like uh, mainframes uh, transitioned uh, two decades forward onto microservices and they kind of decompose to uh, small services serving a particular purpose, uh, In a similar fashion, you could look at SaaS platforms, uh, and they started like these huge monoliths. Like, think about Salesforce. Uh, so organizations ended up having, uh, it kind of turned like uh, SAP. Organizations ended up having uh, tens of people in their own Salesforce development team. It's like a SaaS service. What are you developing on it's like uh, So in today's world, uh, that's all breaking up. Uh, like instead of using this huge monolith and paying multi-million contracts, having multi-million contracts uh, in here, uh, people have uh, micro SaaS applications or micro apps, if you like. And you could basically unbundle the entire service of uh, Salesforce or HubSpot onto a dozen or so add-ons, uh, which you don't necessarily have to pay as much for, and, and you don't necessarily have to have the IT department configure and build and customize for you. So, like, if you're a business technologist, you could go, just go on the Marketplace and, like, uh, pay a few bucks for an add-on, you connect onto your Google Spreadsheet, and that would enrich leads and that would send a mass email campaign and that would build a landing page for these leads and that would like, uh, you know, add those leads onto your back into your spreadsheet with all the information and so on and so forth. And you just interconnected, you've basically built a pipeline of a bunch of Microsoft applications, which are doing really the same that say Pardot for Salesforce would do and would cost you like uh, $10,000 to $15,000 uh, contract a year. At least that was the offer we got and we were a small startup, right? Um, so if you think about it, like all these Microsoft applications, they don't really have the security that Salesforce has, right? It comes with a price. Uh, so like, that would be just a the team of few you know, engineers, uh, you know, sitting somewhere. Uh, they don't really have security certifications. You don't know how they store the data. You don't know how they store the credentials. You know how they connect to your platforms. Um, uh, and uh, that obviously creates a security risk and a governance risk. Like, Uh, like uh, with the Cosby space uh, we started focusing on shadow IT because like hey we now have Salesforce replacing our own Oracle applications let's understand that people are using Salesforce right now you have dozens of Salesforce so it's like it's the shadow IT of, of the, the shadow, shadow IT, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so. You uh, thought
0: by securing Salesforce, you finished, but now you understand that you have tot- a lot of plugins that you need to secure on top of that. That's and, right. And
1: each one of them is a SaaS on their own, that's the idea. That's right, that's right. And also from a maturity perspective, uh, SaaS platforms have evolved uh, uh, onto, understanding what their customers expect from them in terms of security so they probably have most of the certifications most of dorian and the penetration tests and so on and so forth and you've secured salesforce right so salesforce is secure in its infrastructure is secure you've probably configured it well enough well i hope you did uh, and then the next step is like what do you connect onto salesforce because and then there are dozens if not hundreds of integrations and you can secure those right so you can think of it also as a supply chain problem, right? But suddenly you have thousands, if not tens of thousands of suppliers you never knew existed and you never actually contracted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a major challenge and that's basically what the canonic is set out to address.
0: Okay, so this is very interesting. And uh, I think last year we did, uh, uh, in the beginning of the year, we did a prediction for 2022. Mm -hmm. And one of the topics that we said is going to be hot this year is SaaS security. We were Uh, right, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, definitely we were right when you see the number of attacks and also you see the number of products that people are uh, uh, showing into the market. But we are here to talk about something specific, which is basically the app total, which is a public open... uh, uh, website that people can go there and look for their uh, for their applications that they see it connected to their SaaS
1: applications. Give us a couple of words about it. What is UpTotal? Uh, right. So it, it actually. So let me start with a story. Actually, so in 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 a previous company in FireLayers, uh, the VP product kind of called me uh, 12 p.m. Uh, my time. Uh, like, uh, and he said, Hey, I have an Android, uh, connecting to my Google account and I've never seen, I've never used an Android, like at least not for the last decade or so. So I called up Google. I couldn't trace it back through the logs and everything. So I called up Google and said, Hey guys, like we have an Android in our uh, account. Like, what is it? And, uh, they couldn't trace it as well. they said like, just go ahead and revoke all your apps in, in, the in, in the account and, you know, just, you know, change your password and so on, so on, so on, so forth. And like, but I went over all my apps. I couldn't understand which App was it that was identifying itself as an Android Mm -hmm. right now the thing is that uh, if you look at it from a user perspective if you just go to your personal Google account right and in the main interface you go into the small button on the right which I don't know if many people know it calls details Mm -hmm. if you click that details button it will actually show you which apps and which sessions you actually have online for your Gmail Uh, So this page would show you a bunch of client IDs or basically just GUIDs identifying applications. The question is, looking at that list, how do you know which ID is what and what does it represent? Now, if you take one of these IDs and just paste it in Google itself, it would turn up with a bunch of Stack Overflow pages and a bunch of forums and Quora's with people asking hey i have a suspicious application <laughs> connecting to my google account i wonder what it is how can i actually see what it does and who stands behind it so that's what i did and that was that that was really the, the the precursor i guess and AppTotal, like from the for for average user uh it's useful uh to that extent at the very least so you could just take any client id uh and paste it in apptotal and understand what that application is and if you're in security engineering, uh, if you're in SOC, uh, so you could basically uh, get all the logs and all the OS token uh, authentications from your SaaS provider, uh, be it Google, Atlassian, Salesforce, uh, and so on and so forth, Slack. Uh, and you could paste these IDs onto AppTotal and understand what these are, or programmatically enrich your logs, okay, and bu- then build some logic on top of that. Um, triaging events or maybe sending it over, opening Jira tickets uh, for review and so on and so forth. Uh, That's the programmatic use case. Uh, The other use case is that if you see an app in your environment which you believe is suspicious uh, and uh, you have doubts as to what it is or what it does or whether it should basically have the privileges it asks for, you can just go into AppTotal and see what it does across other tenants. Okay, so what AppTotal does is basically spins off a sandbox. Uh, it's hard to think of a sandbox. Like how do you spin a sandbox for a SaaS application, right? So the idea is that, it, just take Google Workspace, for instance, we just create a new Google Workspace instance and then we connect that app onto that instance. And then we try to perk it with like files and activities and stuff. Uh, and then we monitor what it does and where does it send the data. Uh, so you can actually compare what it does in someone like in a clean environment, versus what it does in mm-hmm. your environment. And the third use case, which is uh, uh, what a lot of customers are actually using up to. So Abdo is a community uh, program, but um, there's also a commercial track and some people are using that uh, for uh, app vetting. So what they're doing is like, if you're in corporate security and uh, you get a request for connecting a new app onto your uh, environment, and you want to understand what that app does before connecting you know, yeah. to the Android environment. And you want to save yourself the time of researching it yourself and understanding which certifications it has and which API activities it has and uh, where does it store the data and so on and so forth. So you can actually do it with AppTotal. Uh, and that's a major time saver. It reduces uh, hours to minutes. Uh, so I guess that's the primary use cases. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, this is
0: very interesting. In a minute, I will go back to the different use cases and ask you about it. But where do you see this going? I mean, what is the future plan for this uh, uh, for AppTotal?
1: Right, so uh, VirusTotal uh, is really like a, is a role model uh, that we are looking into when we think about AppTotal. Uh, so the idea like when we started the company, so Canonic actually comes uh, out of the Roman word Canon, which was like a red road uh, that they used for measuring things. And it sort of was the equivalent of a standard. Like uh, if this fits a Canon or two cans, three cans, then it's this and that. So the idea was to actually become the standard for third party apps and integrations across SaaS platforms. So uh, what we're looking at is uh, basically other SaaS security solutions using AppTotal right, for their enrichment and threat intelligence, uh, for service providers that are doing assessments of like Azure AD environments and Google environments for them to use AppTotal because otherwise they just have to go through a bunch of applications in your environment manually, right, and then have the same knowledge. And so when you have the home, like when most market participants are using one threat intel provider, uh, as a standard, so that threat right intel provider becomes, uh, in- inevitably it becomes uh, the standard, that effect of standard for that particular domain, just like VirusTotal, no one's gonna build another VirusTotal because everyone knows that it has submissions from everyone in the market. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, um, uh, to be that standard, uh, you know, and and uh, and 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 also, you know, help uh, other security vendors, you know, focus on their strengths, which is not what we're doing with AppTotal, right? So it's like, uh, you know, I see some players in SaaS security, and um, I see them starting building these capabilities, and like, guys, just I mean, use the API. Why are you investing in that? Like, focus on your use case. Uh, so uh, the future is basically supporting every SaaS platform out there. The future is having um, millions of. Uh, Third-party ads uh, and integrations catalog, then sandboxed by AppTotal, and providing for the entire security community and industry.
0: Okay, can you give us a couple of example of incidents that you've seen uh, using uh, apps from the uh, plugins marketplace? Yeah, stuff like this?
1: yeah, yeah. So uh, these are pretty notorious and uh, you know public. So I guess the most common example is uh, uh, what is known as the Podesta hack. Uh, so John Podesta, he was a senator, uh, and he was uh, with the DMC. And uh, the story goes that an actor called Fancy Beer, uh, or as history told us to believe, the Russians, <laughs> uh, was actually, uh, they just tried fishing them. And uh, the story goes, uh, there's, uh, you know, variations in that. But the way the story goes is that he got an email saying that Google uh, Uh, spotted a security incident in his Google account, and uh, he needs to enable Google Defender to resolve all these issues. That uh,
0: sounds convincing, I must say. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah no, uh, no
1: irony, it sounds convincing. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so one variation of the story says that he actually suspected that and he sent it over to one of the admins of the DNC and the admin said that that's okay. It's that's Google Defender. You you can enable that. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually true, but uh, this is one one uh, version of the story. And uh, Google Defender was actually a malicious app uh, that uh, the Fancy Beer guys created, uh, obviously impersonating like uh, one of the issues in the Google Marketplace. And I, and I guess it's valid to some extent uh, till these days that you could uh, basically register any application with any name. Uh, at some point in time, Google started protecting mm-hmm. uh, like uh, reserved names and all, but that is all was also possible, and we reported several uh, vulnerabilities uh, on, on in, in that domain uh, over the last years. Um, so uh, the next story goes that in 2017, in May 2017, I actually remember that I was back at Proofpoint, um, uh, there was what is known as the Google Worm. Uh, so uh, you basically received an email from one of the contacts in your uh, contact list that said, uh, hey Moshe, uh, um, uh, here's a Google Doc uh, that uh, I've collected or something like this, uh, go ahead and open it. And when we open the Google Doc, then it said Google Docs would like to have access to your Google Doc. Hmm which is also pretty convincing. (laughs) Uh, And when you granted it access, what it did is it went over your contact list and it sent the same email (laughs) to everyone in your contact list. So, uh, for those in the audience who uh, were, uh, were in uh, security uh, a couple of decades ago, if you remember the I Love You worm uh, back in 1998, uh, mm-hmm. which was like Visual Basic, it never did anything. It just said, I love you. <laughs> uh, but everyone could see, like, this could be really malicious if you actually had a payload. Uh, So this was similar in nature. Uh, If I remember correctly, back at Proofpoint, we've seen about the north of a million mailboxes Mm -hmm. received that email in less than five minutes. Uh, So we actually detected that attack because the privileges, the set of privileges that that application used uh, were pretty rare. The combination of these privileges was pretty rare. Uh, So that's the second one. And if we look at uh, just recent uh, times, so, uh, what do we have with uh, winds? Uh, everyone talks about the infiltration, everyone talks about the actor, but the persistence was actually done through an OS application. So what happens is uh, the solar wind application itself had an Office 365 component. And the actor uh, added, one of the ways of authenticating to an Office 365 application is having a, a, a key. You can mm-hmm. have a password, you can have an uh, X5 cert. So they basically added another X509 cert to that app, so that granted the actor the possibility to, of authenticating to the app itself, which meant they now have access to everyone who granted access to the SolarWinds application, which is like uh, you know any organization out there. And then a few months later, we've seen more companies report uh, how their Office 365 environment was compromised, and the uh, TTPs allegedly were the same. Uh, so one of the versions is that they basically use the solar wind access to infiltrate other organizations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the most recent example, which I'm sure everyone's seen, is, uh, well, Travis and the Roku uh, applications in GitHub. Uh, their auth credentials were stolen and uh, some repositories were accessed. And then, as it turns out, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the guys published uh, a more in-depth research uh, some of the repos contain some keys for AWS, the private repos, and then they get access to AWS. And in AWS, they had some uh, old files with uh, user credentials for NPM and so on and so forth. So it, it can go a long way. Uh, so, yeah, it's like everyone understands these days uh, that, like, uh, you know, you add, an, you add another supplier onto your ecosystem, you grant them access. Uh, you're not going to go away without controlling it.
0: Okay, so let me summarize everything we just uh, spoke about. Organizations are using software as a service, and software as a service. The, uh, the major vendors have a lot of plugins. It can start from things that uh, you connect to your uh, SaaS application to do backups, or things that can in- enrich in your data, or connect to your user space and add some more functionality. And so there are multiple uh, plugins, and some of them are uh, officials. You can go to the marketplace, but some of them you can also I don't know go to GitHub and install this plugin. So That's right. there's no real governance on on this thing. I mean. Uh, it's, as you said, the shadow of shadow IT. I mean, right. uh, people are investing a lot of time in, in securing their Google Workspace and Google and Salesforce, at, but, and then they let users install apps and you have no control on, on top of that. So this is a, uh, this is indeed interesting uh, vector that organization needs to, to protect from. One of the key scenarios is that you go to your uh, G Suite or whatever SaaS applications that you have, and you see a lot of different applications that can connect and have different permissions. And it's not always obvious who this application, uh, who is behind this application, what this application does, and what type of uh, information it has access to. And this is why you created Upshill. Basically, I can take any client ID, from the uh, from a SaaS application and then, first of all, verify that who is the owner, who is behind this application, and second, try to run it in a sandbox. You yeah, understand it's not really a sandbox, you're trying to emulate the application web and get some insights on top of it and everything is open to the public and people can also contribute to this database with their
1: own. Uh, that's right, that's right. So mm-hmm. it's it's a community offering of Canonic Security. Uh, people can comment on applications, people can see other experience with a particular application, Uh, each app also has multiple versions, so something applicable for one doesn't necessarily apply to the other. Um, uh, yeah, so it's 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 publicly available. Uh, we do ask people to sign up, but just mostly for uh, like preventing abuse and uh, you know uh, scrapers and so on and so forth. Because uh, we've seen a few attempts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I go there and
0: I pass my application ID and I get all the info and I can ask right. for additional services and everything is open to the public. So first right. of all, thank you for the f- contribution to the community, and we will also put a link to the app uh, uh, total in our episode website so go ahead and uh, check it out uh,
1: and also anything else you want to add on top of this? Wow I think if you focus on SaaS security uh, and the market is really fragmented there are a bunch of vendors each having a different solution so I would advise anyone uh, just as, as in any domain of security to see what the platforms themselves are offering mm-hmm. uh, and wh- how you can leverage uh, what you've actually already invested in uh, and then focus on, uh, you know, what's most important that they do not, uh, you know, rather than trying to bring a new vendor, uh, trying to solve things that, you know, the platform is probably going to release in a few months if it's so important.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So this was very interesting and I hope that Canonic will grow rise in the uh do some more good and produce some more uh, open tools for the community and also protect our SaaS applications good luck for you guys thank you thank Thank you you for having
1: me very interesting
0: thank you very much thanks a lot thanks Thanks. Bye -bye. bye bye